We shall have no other gods. And what does that mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. He's the one who wants, he's the one who's made us and loves us, and he wants everything from us. But he gives everything to us. It's not just a command, it's a promise. You will have no other gods. I will be your God. What's the second commandment? This is like, I know, you weren't thinking you come to class here, but what is, anyone remember the second commandment? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does that mean? Well, according to our catechism, our small catechism, if you don't have one, we have lots. Uh, according to the second commandment, uh, catechism from Luther, it's, we should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. So the second commandment, the first one is, I will be your God. Second one is, call me, call me anytime, right? Call upon me anytime you need me. That's a good deal, isn't it? That God is available and around to hear our prayers at any moment. Other than like the pagan gods are like, you hope you can get their attention. God is already present, listening. It's a good thing. So it reminds us that we should pray. And all of us know we should probably pray better, probably pray more, probably just pray sometimes, right? Can you all relate to that? I don't spend enough time praying. I look to myself to meet my needs instead of looking to God. And I think all of us are at different places. In our, one of our small groups we have at Kelkenberg Farm, we've been watching the Chosen series. And in that series, uh, we see people who are you know, really in step with Jesus. Uh, they're listening and they're paying attention and they're starting to get it. And then you have others who are you know, further away and they're, they're trying to pay attention to Jesus, but what he says is confusing and hard and they need some help. Right? And I think we're all on that spectrum. Need a lot of help, or I'm starting to get it. Uh, so I think our gospel reading today comes from some of those. It starts with some of those who are like, I don't get this. Jesus, I don't understand what you're doing, although I see who you are, and I want to learn. So open up your gospel reading. This is Luke chapter 11, which we just read. And it comes from some people asking Jesus. They see Jesus praying, and when he finished, they say, Lord... Teach us to pray, which reminds us, like, we don't just look to ourselves, but Jesus, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, do we need to be taught how to pray, or can we just go with the, go with the flow? Can we just pray from our hearts? Yeah, of course we can. Do our hearts sometimes trick us and not have a whole lot in there? Yeah, sometimes it's easier, like, pulling stuff out and, like, there's nothing left in there. I need some help. And so Jesus provides some help here. Uh, and so uh, I'm a preacher, uh, trying to be a preacher. And so I have three things that, that Jesus kind of shows us today. I'll start with P. One, first one is, well, there's the please Jesus. So that's the first one. The second one is, is the, the petitions. Jesus is going to give us some help. He's going to give us the words to pray. If we're confused and don't know where to start, he says, when you pray, say. Okay, so is it okay? Some people say the Lord's Prayer is too simple. Um, but does Jesus think it's too simple? He says, when you pray, say this. It's a place to start. And this is what he prays. This, he teaches, oh, I want you to think of this. The Lord's Prayer is not just Jesus handing off uh, something to us for kindergartners. It's Jesus' own prayer that he prays. That he then includes us in it. Does that make sense? Maybe you haven't thought of that. But this is Jesus' own prayer. So think about this. He first starts with Father. Obviously, Jesus is God's son by nature, right? Eternal son of God. He, there was never a time he didn't exist. 
as, as Kurt just read, in him the fullness of deity dwells. He is God of God, light of light, right? So Jesus is God's son by nature. What about us? If we're God's children, it's by adoption. As we just saw with Eva Marie, adopted is one of the synonyms for baptized. And adopted. So all of us can say father because we've been adopted by God in heaven. Good news? Right, okay. So Jesus says, pray to the father. He doesn't say pray to the cop, the man upstairs, the lawgiver, the judge, the big guy. He says pray to the father. And we'll learn more about the Father as we keep reading. Jesus will teach us. But then he says, hallowed be your name. A kind of confusing term, right? When do you ever use the word hallow? Not very much, right? Halloween is about it. It's a word that, it's a, it's a word that just means holy. Holy be your name. So Halloween is the day before All Saints Day to celebrate those who've been made holy. So Halloween... So Jesus tells us, and this is what he prays, hallowed be your name. God, let your name be holy. So think about this. When Isaiah, there was this prophet Isaiah, like 700 years before Jesus, who it says that he saw God in the temple high and lifted up. And it says the, he saw the angels going back and forth, singing to one another. Do you remember what they're singing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the God of, 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 of armies. That's what he says. But then he goes on and says, and the whole earth is full of your glory. Another way to translate that is the whole earth will be full of your glory. Is the whole earth full of God's glory right now? Sort of. It's a beautiful world, right? But it's pretty broken and corrupt. And we look inside of us, not glorious yet. So what Isaiah saw was that Everything will be full of God's glory at some point, which means all the evil in us and in the world will be gone. So Jesus is teaching us to pray to be included in that time and place to come with no evil. Sound good? Right? Now think about this also. Jesus, well, Jesus reorients us. He doesn't just tell us um, the third thing here, give us each day our daily bread. He starts with God, God's name, holy. And then he goes on and says, when you pray, say, your kingdom come. We say this so often, we don't know what it means. Um, Jesus, in a few chapters later in Luke, he says to these group of Pharisees, these guys, he says, talking about himself, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Where Jesus is, that's where the kingdom is. So Jesus wants us to pray, Father, let the reign, the rule, the community of Jesus come. Right? That's that glorious thing that is to come. As Luther says in the small catechism, it's going to come. But we pray that we'll be included in it when it comes. Right? Good. And then he says, give us each day our daily bread. Can you count all the daily bread you need? Like, I know it's not just bread. Some of you are gluten-free. You're like, I don't need anything. Right? You need a lot of stuff. Think about it. Like, and that's where our prayer requests usually start. My health, my friend's health, uh, someone else who's struggling with money or with an addiction. Those, that's all daily bread. Is that important? Absolutely, yeah. And so Jesus says, pray for those things. Ask for those things. Everything comes from God. And when you get it, give him thanks. Right? That's what Jesus says. Give us each day our daily bread. Normally that's where we camp, right there. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Reorient towards God. And then also, um, you're not... He goes on and says, and for, pray this. 
Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Think of Jesus praying this. The second part we can imagine, forgive us our sins. I'm sorry, um, we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Can you imagine Jesus forgiving sins? Where do we see Jesus forgiving sins? At the cross, remember what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? There was another time he, there was a paralyzed man, and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's freaking out, but he says, Well, the Son of Man, me, has authority to forgive sins. Jesus was a forgiver. That's what he came to do, is forgive sins. So we can understand that part. Jesus prayed, forgive everyone who's indebted to us. But what about Jesus praying this? Forgive us our sins. Can Jesus pray, forgive us our sins? Can Jesus pray that? Did Jesus sin? Not even a little bit? Not even with his thoughts? Not a bit. Not a bit. Jesus was the sinless Lamb of God. So how could Jesus pray, forgive us our sins? This is what I think. I'm no expert. But I think something about Jesus coming to take on our bodies, our human flesh, something about Jesus being baptized in the place of sinners, something about Jesus on the cross, which is what we gather around, Jesus coming to us became sin for us. He took on our evil. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So can Jesus actually pray, forgive us our sins? Yeah, he takes on our sins. He takes it. And as we sing in our liturgy, he's the Lamb of God and he carries away the sin of the world. Is that good news or what? Right, that's what we cling to. That's the center of our faith. That Jesus prays that for us and that we can enter in, enter in as his sisters and brothers. And then lastly, he says, lead us not into temptation. We all face tri trials and temptations, right? Three chapters earlier, Jesus said, you know, a lot of people start with faith. They have faith for a while and they fall away from faith. Do you know why? Because of temptations. And there's all kinds, aren't there? We're all subject to temptations. Even this week, we've all fallen. Sometimes the temptations are to the good life. You know, life is going great. I have more than I need. I'm just having a great, happy life. Could that be a temptation? It could. We could forget God if we have everything we need. Life is good on my own. What about the bad life, right? I'm suffering. God must not be paying attention, right? That's also a temptation. Both of those can lead us away from the faith, the good life or the bad life. So Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. He is praying that we don't fall away from the faith, that we hold fast to his promises. All right? Okay, so now we're going to take a little break. That is the first thing I want to say to you is that Jesus actually gives us the petitions. He tells us what to say. Can we say more? Of course. That's a great place to start. Second thing he does is tell us why. He gives us some promises. Okay, so question for you. Um, I want you to think about this. Uh, some of, one, at least a couple of you are having a wedding in your backyard pretty soon, right? Some of you have had graduation parties recently, all right? Now let's just say that this party is about to take place. It's gonna kick off in an hour and you're freaking out or your wife's freaking out at you because, well, there's no power in this area and you're out of extension cords, you used them all. 
What, what person among you who would go to a friend, to a neighbor, and say, hey, Joe, can I borrow some of your extension cords? What friend among you would just say, no, I'm looking at Facebook. Uh, sorry, right? Would that be your friend? Even if he didn't like you, would he still give you those extension cords? Probably, yeah. Otherwise, everyone would be thinking, that guy's a jerk, right? No one has a friend or neighbor like that. Everyone would do that common sense thing. Um, what about someone who, uh, and this happens to me all the time, uh, I don't know how many times I've sliced fingers or sliced my head open or my knees popped out of joint and I needed driven, and I hate being driven because I get car sick, but I needed driven to the emergency room. Anyone ever get driven to the ER? It's not fun, right? Who among you would ask your spouse or you know, your kid, hey, can you drive me? I just can't drive, I need to go to the ER. Who among you would have that person in your family who would say, no, I'm reading a book, right? Or it's, it's bedtime, right, while you're bleeding. Anybody have a friend like that? Hopefully not, right? No one. And that's Jesus' point. My last example in this, when I was uh, 12, 12 or 13, I had a, a hunting buddy named Kale. We used to go hunting all the time. Our, our dads and us would go together. Well, one time I wasn't with him, but my friend Kale had this horrible accident um, when his rifle was leaning against, um, against uh, the barbed wire. He climbed through the fence and it caught uh, on some grass and went off. And he had a bullet through his forearm. And then he had the common sense to say, Dad, put a tourniquet on this right now. So my question, what happened is that his dad, Gary, then got in his truck, which was a pretty new truck, and he flew, I mean, as much as a, a Dodge truck can fly, it flew to our local hospital. He went through all the fences, all the gates, over the rocks, it just didn't matter. He didn't care about his truck. So the question is, what dad among you would, would wait and stop and say, well, I gotta slow down, this thing, I gotta keep it nice and waxed up. Anybody have a dad like that? Hopefully not, right? That's Jesus's point with those three examples. No one would have a friend or a dad like that, right? That's why he tells this story. Which one of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say, hey friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Who has a friend who would say, I'm sleeping? In that culture, no way. Now, some of us probably wouldn't go knock on our neighbor's door and say, just a couple loaves of bread, please, right? We wouldn't do that. But in Jesus' day, hospitality is huge. So if you have a friend coming to you from out of town and you don't have anything, that's an emergency. Because in that culture, people host. They, they're hospital they have a lot of hospitality. Um, when I was in college, I parked cars, valet parking, a lot of fun. And I, my boss's name was Franco, and uh, there was like three other Francos who owned, owned different restaurants. So there was Franco and Franco and Franco and Franco. And my buddy and I, Aaron, were gonna go to Rome, and my boss, Franco, got really excited because Reiko is going to Roma. So he gave me the name of his friend in Roma, my boss, Franco, did. Guess what his friend's name was? Franco. So Reiko was gonna, supposed to go visit Franco. So my buddy, Aaron, and I, we got to Rome. And we were exhausted because we were traveling cheap and, you know, we were just showed up just, you know, so tired. And so we decided just to lay low, go to a few sites and just get through a few days in Rome and then go back home, which we did. It was great. I got back home and, and I started work again and Franco was mad at Reiko. He was so mad at me because his friend Franco was waiting to show me hospitality. 
That's how he was going to honor his friend Franco. So Franco was mad at Reiko because of Franco. And I don't know. Anyway, it's confusing, but do you get the idea? All right. Sorry, that was convoluted. We don't have that same culture of hospitality, but in other parts of the world, in Jesus' day, it was huge. So no one would have a friend like that. So all that Jesus says, and I belabored that, because if you even have a schmuck neighbor who would, of course, do something because they're supposed to, how much more God? How much more God? And that's what Jesus says. He goes on and and talks about the Father. He says, anyone who asks gets it. Anyone who looks, it's going to, they'll find it. Anyone who knocks on the door of God, it's going to be handed to them. Because God is generous. And that's what he goes on and he talks about even us stupid idiot dads who try to give our kids lots of chores uh, and, you know, all that stuff. Even us as evil parents know how to give good gifts. How much more our Father in Heaven, right? So Jesus tells us this promise that God... Not only does he give us the petitions, the words to say, he says why you should pray, because your father is listening and he's generous and he's honorable. Is that good or what? All right, we're about finished. But without this last thing, we're toast. So the last thing is the provision. Uh, Let's take a look at, at the text again. Take a look at verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and I think we all do, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the best gift to those who ask Him? And what is that best gift? The Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The Holy Spirit is a gift is God himself bringing the Father, bringing Jesus to us. We could go on and on about this, but I'll just stop there. A great place to start, just like some of Jesus' struggling disciples, is a simple prayer. God, you're generous, and you give the Holy Spirit because you want to. I'm not holy, but give me the Holy Spirit so I can hear and pray as you want me to. It's a great place to start. It's not the end. But give thanks to God that he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He gives it to everyone who believes in Jesus. All right, with that, um, in the name of Jesus, amen. We'll transition and actually pray uh, a a version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We'll just transition to a time of prayer and then a time of sharing the peace.